and good afternoon, everybody. It is a beautiful Friday, July 3rd here, and I've got my buddies Adam Shalfu and Hami and Rain with me on another episode of Hoopstradamus. How are we doing, fellas? Living the dream, baby. Great to be running the triangle offense with you guys, per usual. It's hotter than blazes. Uh, I'm outside. You're outside. I can't see Hami. Maybe he's outside, too, but a beautiful day. Well, I am outside. I'm just I'm just sitting in my car, just sitting in the shade, uh, turning on the air AC, but I'm turning it on and off so it doesn't affect the the audio. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm wearing my headband because it's really hot. It's just one of those days. I've been wearing I've been wearing the headband a lot this summer because it's just been very humid. Headbands yeah. making a comeback, dude. <laughs> yeah, headbands are the. Worst. I'm not gonna lie. When I was a kid, I used to you know I, I used to wear a headband sometimes to practice because you know that was the style of the NBA back then. You know, uh, yeah. back when I in, in like nine or ten years old uh and uh i was wearing a headband and then we had this this around the world drill you know mid-range shooting kind of like around the world that game used to love that oh and yeah I, one of the coaches tests me he says hey uh you know if you make all of them all around the world i'll give you another headband i'll get it to you by saturday you know by game day i was like perfect so i make all of them get them crazy i make all of them and uh this guy's like, all right yeah i'll get it to you by saturday Still haven't got the headband. I yet. figured you're still waiting on the headband. Buy right. myself well, another. Go ahead, Hamid. You know, go ahead and finish. <laughs> no, I just said I, I had to buy myself another one. That was it. <laughs> I mean, I, I have multiple now. <laughs> All right, well, fellas, here, well, fellas, we were discussing this yesterday, and I think this is a good way to start off the discussion. We all know that the face of the league since probably I would say about 2008 has been. LeBron James, Mr. King, Mr. Mm. King James. And we were discussing this, and Adam, I'm going to go to you first. Once LeBron James has left the game of basketball, once he is not the player that he still is today, because I would say right now he is, if not the best player, one of the two or three best, who is going to be the face of the league? Yeah, man, I love that question. And for the first time ever, two Europeans come to mind. And I don't think that the world has ever been to a place where the best players in the world, in my opinion, the two best players, you know, LeBron's obviously there too. Uh, but when you look at the young bucks, right? No pun intended there. Cause one is a Milwaukee buck and that's Giannis. But the other guy is Luka Doncic. Uh, Giannis is obviously like further along into his prime. But when you look at Luka Doncic and specifically compare him to LeBron James, they're extremely similar. Uh, Luka Doncic is going to continue to put on muscle and get bigger and better like LeBron did. But what is Luka way right now? I mean, what, he's like 6'8", 230 off the top of my head? I'll, I'll fact check myself right now. But the dude is built like a tank, and like LeBron, he has incredible vision. He has incredible uh, feel for the game. And even in his rookie year, you just saw – flashes of pure brilliance that you don't typically see from a 19 year old uh and so i always talk about the time he throws a alley-oop to deandre jordan deandre jordan doesn't even know it's coming because luka Doncic, the 19 year old had a better court awareness than the veterans on his team and deandre jordan is no slouch he's been doing it for a really long time uh but when i look at luka Doncic and i see a 20 year old putting up like 29 points per game, uh, close to nine assists and just a little over uh, nine rebounds. LeBron wasn't even doing that stuff yet. 
And so I think that the global game is starting to take over. The two guys are Giannis and Luca. Everyone said enough about Giannis, uh, and I've said plenty about Luca. But I, if I had to pick one between the two, I'd actually go Luca uh, just because I can't think of a time ever when someone this young has been this good. It took Giannis a few years. What's Luka Doncic going to look like when he's 24? Is he going to be averaging like 35, 12, and 12? It's not outside of the realm of possibility. Well, honestly, I think with Doncic, because of his play style, uh, you know, we might see some games where he's like, he might have some ridiculous stats. But, like, uh, I think he's, he's going to have, like, similar to, like, LeBron's, like, stat line, uh, in my opinion. Like, he, he might, maybe, like, 30, 10, and 10. Mm-hmm. something like that uh but uh so like his stats are very good now so i don't think they're gonna go like extraordinarily higher than they are now but i don't know i could be wrong he's very he's only in the second year in the league uh i yeah, think the he's only like other 20 person, years old he's yeah, so the only other person who's like done stuff like this is probably like Derek rose or lebron james uh doing like stuff like this at a young age and like donch has just surpassed Rose for sure, but he's kind of like on LeBron's level right now uh, in terms of like the uh, the impact he's made on, uh, in the league already. But mm. uh, you mentioned the two Europeans. I think I'm going to go with the American Zion because uh, everyone loves watching this kid play, and uh, it also helps that he's American. I think that's going to be a big part of it. Uh, yeah. Not like people are going to be like you know biased against Giannis or something because he's European or, or Doncic, but because uh, you know because. Well, you know, Giannis has been in the league. He's been in America for, for what, uh, six, seven years now? Eight years, maybe? Time's flying when you're having fun yeah, watching Giannis. Maybe six years. I don't know. Something like that. Five years. Something like that. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I could see him being, like, that guy. But I think it's going to be Zion because, you know, Zion's going to get better. And, uh, yeah, like, the hype for this guy was unreal. Like, so uh, – I think no doubt it's going to be because, and mostly, you know, I think that's going to be a big part of it. Like him being American, him being like a local kid uh, and people are just going to gravitate towards him a little bit more. He's also very down to earth and, you know, it's very like, he seems like a nice kid, you know, the entertainment values through the all, roof. All these guys seem like good people, right? Like the league's in a good place. Yeah. But what you about know, you, Josh? What do you think? I think you guys both make excellent points. I do think we do – I think for the first time um, right now, I don't think there is a clear face. And I don't th- – and here's the thing with the NBA. The NBA has always had one player who has been the face. Or you could argue there have always been at least two or three. I think from 1999 to 2003, I would – or 2002, I'd say it was definitely Shaq. And then I feel like from 2003 to about 2007, it was a combo of really basically Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. I think those are the two best guys who were kind of the face of the league, although Duncan never really wanted that spotlight because the Spurs were never the guys who were flashy. And Tim Duncan was not the kind of guy – he was marketable, but he was not marketable like a Kobe Bryant. And I think that is where also the NBA has really taken off is the fact that they are so marketable, all these guys. You know, Giannis is marketable. Zion, marketable, massively marketable. Um, and Luka Doncic, you know, with that kind of baby face look, much like Steph Curry, people gravitate toward that. And I think right now the good thing is there's so much time that we have to figure out where these guys fit in terms of who is going to be that star in the league. And one thing I was actually looking up, I'm trying to get it going, this – oh, this computer is on – it's on. It's like Kobe Bryant after he tore his Achilles, guys. It's oh. on his legs. And it's, it sounds like it's in the heat too. What are you trying to look up? 
I'm trying to look up what their points per 100 possessions were for Luca and LeBron during the season. So this is incredible to me. So this is Luka Doncic per 100 per 100 possessions um, with um, in his second year compared to LeBron James. LeBron James in his second year. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm seeing right here. here. LeBron James in his second year. 34 points per game, nine, nine rebounds, nine assists, 2.8 steals per game, and just under one block. That's per 100 possessions, 47% shooting. Luka Doncic is at – and this is 41.7 points, 13 and a half rebounds, and 13 assists. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And now, at the same time, I also think to my I also think we have to consider this is when the, this is before the NBA went to an increased number of possessions. This is right yeah. when we started to see the this is the first year after they implemented the new rules into the league. So we also I think have to factor that in. Teams were not teams were still not scoring as highly as they usually were. This is the first year when we finally saw a major score increase, and the Suns took advantage of that. But there were only three teams that averaged over 102 points per game that year. So right now, every single team, I believe, averaged over 102 points a game this year. So it's a major difference in the style of play, which I think really helps Luka. And I think if LeBron were playing today, I think LeBron would be putting up very similar numbers to what Luca is doing. Maybe even a little bit better because yeah, I agree. He's got one thing that he had. The, he's the same basketball IQ as Luca. Granted, not as good. I think he definitely he wasn't as good a three pointer I think as Luca is. Well, the Luka. the thing is, so LeBron, uh, his numbers were worse his rookie year versus Luca's, but uh, then LeBron got that all the way up to uh, what is it, thirty four percent his next year. I love Luca, and I think he is a really good three-point shooter. He's obviously taking way more than LeBron. But looking at those second years is very interesting because it tells two stories. One story is LeBron is an underrated three-point shooter, and uh, he always kind of has been. He only took uh, 3.9 threes per game in that second year, but he shot 35%. Now you look at Luca; he's obviously taking tougher threes. These stats might not reflect that he they're not they might say the numbers might say that he's worse than LeBron at shooting he shoots just under 32 percent from three but he's taken nine per game and anyone who's watching knows that they're tougher shots but LeBron people I think it was a myth that he wasn't a good shooter but I don't know I don't know well he maybe slight edge to Luca well he had a pretty good mid-range game but like he was definitely like even in like 2007 like he'd only shoot if he was like really hot yeah uh, so yeah I didn't mean like, to cut you off though Josh go ahead no 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 it's just I, I agree I mean if we look at it you know LeBron has started shooting more threes because it's part of the style of the game now yeah. and I think it's and I think that's mainly the thing we always knew LeBron was a decent shooter like Kobe Bryant was not really a volume three-point shooter really until pretty much his the mid 2000s because it just was that was not his thing his thing was playing 22 feet and in and that was the way everybody played but then you know once it was required for him to start shooting more that all changed like i want to show you an example so another thing we always emphasize how the three-point shot has gotten so so much more important Mm -hmm. in 
2004-2005, the average team shot 80 field goal attempts and 16 threes per game. Today, 89 field goal attempts per game, 34 threes a game. Wow. So it's becoming a completely different – I think it's become a completely different game compared to what it was. Back then it was half-court offense, half-court offense, isolate your best player, let him do what he wants, play in the post and play – First guy to 80, first team to 85 wins. That was the way it was. Heck, when the Pacers played the Pistons in 2004, it was first team to 70. Yeah, yeah, for real. Now teams, now it's first team to 70 by halftime. So I yeah. think <laughs> while, while I do agree Luka is, would be good in any era because he's so fundamentally sound, I do think if you put LeBron in his, like a 20-year-old LeBron in this era, you're looking at 32, 10, and 10. I don't think there's any question about that because I – we all remember watching LeBron back then and yeah. just how insane he was athletically. Yeah, and that's why – go ahead. I just, It's it's kind of like imagine if he's got Luka kind of fundamentals and then you give him Zion's dunking power yeah. and vertical. Yeah. What are you going to do? Especially by Not, 2009. I think that series against the Magic is probably his best ever, uh, mm. aside from, you know, the championship with the Cavs. But, uh, like – I know pe- people always talk about that one being like, oh, you know, we were ruined of a LeBron versus Kobe final. We kind of were. Uh, the Magic were really fun. Um, and a lot of people always say that the Magic kind of ruined it. But say what you will, I enjoyed those Magic teams. Um, they were so uh, yeah. fun. They were, so awesome. they were great. Uh, that whole story with the PEDs thing, I thought that was just uh, – that, that did not taint the Magic to me. That did not taint them at all. Who cares if he did? Honestly, who cares? Yeah. He's a professional athlete. Like – I always thought about this. Do you think anybody really comp- is was really complaining when they knew all the guys were taking steroids in the summer of 98 playing baseball? Do you really think they right, cared? Yeah. Everyone was, was welcoming. No. Yeah. They didn't care. There's too many homers. Stop. <laughs> all the know, pitchers were on steroids, too. The game's gotten too fun. Yeah. We need oh, to take yeah. Roger when, Clemens, man. Exactly. When Clemens is throwing 108 miles an hour and you got a juiced up Mark McGuire, the ball's going to fly to fucking Cleveland, man. Oh, and forget the guy from San Francisco. Who's teaching him how to pitch? That guy. What's the guy, Henry Guys, something I'm, I'm from throw, uh, Rookie I'm, of the Year? <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think, I think Henry Rowan Gardner was on steroids. I think oh, he yeah. was. He was. And so was Air Bud. <laughs> And so was Pablo Sanchez, and that's why he never had his full oh, spurt and didn't become a professional athlete. How dare athlete. you? How dare you in any way? You've gone too far, right? Yeah, I shouldn't. Too- yeah, Pablo's untouchable. Yeah, I agree. Best make-believe athlete of all time. Oh, no question. Well, if you played MVP Baseball 2005, John Dowd was pretty good. John Dowd was really good. He's my, he's my enemy. He's my enemy in that game. Who the hell's John Dowd? So, back in – I'll tell you. Barry Bonds. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Barry Bonds. They wouldn't put Barry Bonds in the game. I think Barry wouldn't give them his likeness. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. So Sam with like Charles Barkley and like two K. Reggie Miller now with two K. Right. You know, yeah, wouldn't give him like the the license or whatever. John Dowd. Yeah, he's a legend. I'm I'm glad you brought him up. Well, you are very welcome, Hop. Now we are going to move on, and I wanted to talk to you fellas about something else. We have um, some news out of the NBA. It sounds like. They are going to actually allow the remaining eight teams that are not going to be in the playoffs to finish out the season. Now, now I want to make this a two-pronged question. First, do you think that they should be doing this? Um, second, how exa- if you were going to if you were running things and you were Adam Silver, how would you play that out? Well, is there any details to it, or is that like pretty so much what the they're gist saying right now? Is, 
actually, their rumors are if they do play it, they're going to play at Wintrust Arena. Wow. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Wow. That's the rumor right now. They're going to play out the game. So the Bulls finish their season and stuff is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. I've not seen this yet. Uh, it was like yesterday. This just came. Yeah, it was out. Yesterday. Look at Woj's Twitter. It was. It was like yesterday, like maybe twenty hours ago by now. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, not a big fan. Um, because you know, what's the point of? I, I get that. You know, they, they these players they need their money. Um, but uh, and like they want some incentive to finish. You know, instead of just kind of finishing, literally finishing the season overnight, just like randomly. Uh, so I get that why you know they want to do that, and I get why the NBA would want to do this. But uh, again, you know. And I thought 22 teams was too much. Like, I thought, like, 18 to 20 would be perfect uh, for, for the playoff thing. Uh, the less players, the better. And, and, like, now, you know, we're trying to get all these people. We're trying to make our own uh, our own little uh, bubble in Chicago. Uh, so, I don't know, man. This, uh, just it, It's unnecessary, you know. Uh, if the players want to practice at their facilities or they want to travel somewhere else where uh, there's not much, uh, you know, uh, damage or whatever, um, you know, in their in their areas, uh, that's fine. But yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe they're doing this because all their all these other places are closing their facilities. I don't know. I know Denver did. I know the Clippers did too. It might be some other teams, but uh, yeah, I just think it's unnecessary. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, I think that they're really trying to force it right now, and I think that things just get wacky when you try to force things, you know, and. I am very apprehensive, not just about the other teams right now, but I'm apprehensive about whether or not there's actually going to be a conclusion in Orlando. You know what I mean? Because we're continuing to uh, see random spikes with COVID, and I do not want to go down that rabbit hole. I don't want to turn this episode into a COVID episode. Last thing I want to talk about, frankly. Uh, But it does come directly into play, obviously, when they're trying to resume these games. I see why they're trying to do it. Uh, it will help because it's going to help establish odds for uh, the lottery. It's going to help players continue to get their money. It's going to give a sense of uh, closure on the season. But I don't know. I think we got to recognize the times we're dealing with here and not necessarily try to do too much because – who's really going to benefit from this? The teams that have been mathematically eliminated were already eliminated. So why are we bringing them back in to uh, the realm, if you will? And I agree with what you were saying, Hami, to a certain degree, because you said that you want a little bit less teams. I think the 22 team thing works well because they're all within uh, at least six games of playoff contention. And so I think yeah, that makes it'd sense. Be unfair to take this out, even like a does team. not make sense. Those teams, they're done. Like the Bulls, they're done. Whatever. Don't want to see the Bulls again. You know what I mean? No one wants to see the Bulls again. Somebody might want to see the Suns again. Well, Adam, it's funny you say that because I think they did a poll. I think they did a poll. Um, They polled, I think, the Bulls players and asked them, do you want to play again? A lot of them said no. 
a lot yeah. of them said no, and uh, a lot I don't of blame fans, him. Jim Boylan's still too. the coach, <laughs> and, and I believe they also. I also found out t- um, yesterday, according to reports, Otto Porter's going to opt in, which means the Bulls have almost no cap space either this offseason. Right. Which yeah. Is, yeah. that should be a non-story. We we should be expecting that. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, especially in this situation where, where the climate we're in now, take all the money you can get. <laughs> absolutely, and and he's grossly overpaid too. He's like on a max up, deal. On Twitter, yeah. Comcast Sportsnet's Twitter, and it, and it said, Bulls fans, would you watch the Bulls again if they came back? 70% of them said no. That was 70 yeah. smart people, 70% yeah. smart people there. And I guess for me it depends on how many minutes Ryan Archidiakono is getting because I'm always down to watch Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> He's good, but uh, he, he wouldn't make me tune in. <laughs> he puts butts in seats. I'd like to have him next season, but I wouldn't want to watch him again this year. I would love to watch 48 more minutes of, of Laurie Markkinen being told to stand up by the three-point line and do absolutely nothing all game because, you know, that's great coaching right there. Oh, man. I yeah. would love to see Jim Boylan call a timeout when we're down by 32 points. That's what I with, want to say. With 14 seconds left. Yeah. All right, guys. 14. We're going to cut this lead to 28 or die trying. All right, Lowry, I want you to go stand in the corner. Be ready. Back, I want you to dribble for 18 seconds. Sprint to the hoop, flail around, and then unexpectedly pass it to Lowry. Lowry, I want you to brick this off the side of the rim real hard. All right? Now, Wendell, get that rebound. Throw it as hard as you can off the backboard. Hopefully you get to the line. Make the first free throw. Miss the second one. Lowry, get one of your six rebounds. You got a game and put that shit back in. That's what I imagine goes down in these huddles. It's complete chaos. Yeah, I, I imagine it's a lot of tuning out. Uh, but by the time that by the time you're on your third word there, I imagine they're already tuned out. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy would have tuned him out. I, I can't – you know why? There's one thing I love about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler would have told the front office, get this guy the hell out of here. And for, he would have said it within the first 48 hours, this guy can't coach. Well, Jimmy will tell well, you. Jimmy might be a little is, bit of a, a diva. It doesn't matter. He's honest. What if What if he did the – what if he did something similar to what he did, how he left Chicago actually? Like, it's me or him. And then the Bulls choose him. You know, the Bulls choose Boylan. Well, thank well, God God packs aren't in charge anymore. Well, yeah, yeah, thankfully. But like, uh, if uh, if Jimmy Butler were around and like that, that was like the option where it's him or me, like he did with Fred Hoiberg. I would, uh, yeah, I'd probably follow Jimmy Butler's team as well. I probably, I'd probably be a fan of that team that he jump on. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of Jim Boylan, uh, Brian Windhurst reported, I believe, a couple of days ago, that it's very possible that Jerry Reinsdorf may not allow them to take on a new coach because he doesn't want to pay two coaches. Oh, which is just hogwash. We are at uh, – and I don't think that's – I think that something will break there. We I just agree. hit the under 10-minute mark, so move us along there, Joshy. What do we got next on the docket? All right. Well, I believe we did have one final topic, fellas, and that was, I believe – Hami, I'm going to send this one to you. You had a very interesting topic to bring up the other day. I believe it, that it was about your sleepy players from the year. Oh, yeah. yeah Basically, like the most one. underrated players this season – uh, that uh, people might not know about because uh, sorry, this truck's passing me. Yeah, people might I'll not just know pretend about. Pretend that was a sound effect we put in. Yeah. <laughs> Moving into uh, the next topic, you know. Whether uh, it's like uh, it's whether they're a small market team, people might not know about them, or maybe it's just some you know just some random guy on, on the team. Uh, you know, like remember that guy Shake Milton? He's on the Sixers. Uh, he had a, like a hot week, um, but. Uh, I it, it, this was just some Reddit NBA post and uh, NBA discussion post, and I thought it was very interesting. I was just reading through it, and uh, Jonathan Isaac, we all yeah. know, had a great season. 
Yeah, he's um, he's my defense. pick here of my favorite sleeper player because I think he is special. And in that same post, so that guy also wrote uh, Chris Dunn, the next Tony Allen. What hmm. do you guys think? That's not a bad comparison because neither of them can shoot and they both can defend like crazy. Yeah. And I like so Chris I like Dunn for what he is. He's not what was advertised necessarily, but I like him as a second look point guard that is just going to, he's just going to lock you up. And uh, I think that the Bulls had a bit of a log jam there, but Chris Dunn wasn't part of the problem. Yeah, I agree. I think he was, he was top five in steals, which is very impressive. I think steals per game. Um, so, I mean, despite his minutes, right? I mean, because some of that can be kind of skewed, right? Uh, it was very impressive, um, especially with the minutes he played, because there are some games where it's like he's not playing enough. Uh, but, yeah, like um, just a couple of di- uh, different players. Um, I, I'm, I, I, don't, I can't remember who else was on that list. But uh, Isaac and Chris Dunn were like the, the two kind of main talking points. Um, and Isaac is like he's, he's great because like no one really like follows the magic. And then he also had a season-ending injury, which is unfortunate. Mm. I, I love I mean, Jonathan I, Isaac, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was very good. He, he also had a hot week, uh, you know, somewhere in there. Uh, and then he got hurt right, right there. Uh, well, he's just – as far as versatility goes, he is, dare I say, the most versatile. Uh, I mean, he, he's not Giannis, right? But this is a guy who gets, like, over a steal and a half per game and close to two and a half blocks. Uh, he's got a 7-1 wingspan. He can really guard pretty well two through five. And I just see a little bit of Kevin Garnett in him that he comes in as a small forward, but it's inevitable that this uh, wiry 6'11", 230-pounder is going to eventually be more of a modern power forward and someone that just instills fear in the hearts of whoever is trying to go score in the post. Yeah, man. I mean, what I love is that now we have these guys in the league who can guard so many different positions. When you have a guy like Jonathan Isaac, another 2K favorite of mine because he's such a good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's just so interesting now that we have guys who can guard those multiple positions because the thought of that was, you know, back in even the 80s, it was not really a thing. You guarded your man and that was it. The only guys I could think of who could guard multiple positions were Dennis Rodman or Scottie Pippen. I mean, those were really the two guys who you said maybe like someone like Anthony Mason could maybe guard. Gary Payton, bigger Gary point Payton guard. Gary Payton guard probably one through three. Yeah. But, but outside of that, I mean, you never really thought of guys guarding multiple positions. Now it's expected that you're able to guard at least two or three positions, even yeah. if it's not your calling card. It's like the reaction to positionless offense. Now we need to right. see positionless defense, and Jonathan Isaac kind of represents that wave. Absolutely. I agree. And I would – I'm just going to – finish off by saying I as a guy who's been working in Milwaukee I still think Chris Middleton's the most underrated all-star that I've ever seen pretty much just because great season yeah he's been I've watched this guy the last two years because I've actually been watching a lot of Bucks games not just because I worked the station for the last year but also because I just like watching that team his transformation into being able to create with the ball has been astounding. The one thing I always had, he reminds me a lot of Luol Deng. Ooh, I see that. that. With better handles. Mm-hmm. Much better handles. He's got a better shooter. He's a solid driver, better shooter. 
He's got about the same build, 6'8", but he's actually more like 240. He's got a lot more strength, and he's able to guard two through – he can guard one through four. He yeah. can guard the one if you need him to. He can guard the four if you need him to. And How about this comparison? Uh, Michael Red with a better defense. Wow, I like okay. It. Yeah. I do think Michael Red much better shot creator, but, yeah, I can see that a little bit. Josh, I don't know if you have some way of uh, finding, and we can save this for an, another episode, but I'd love to see Chris Middleton's numbers in games where Giannis isn't playing because this guy explodes when he is the main guy on the team. And I think, I think we looked at that. I think his numbers when he's not on the – I think when he's out, I think he averages somewhere between 22 to 24 a game. Okay. Yeah, something like that. And because – but the thing with that Bucks team is the thing that makes them so good is – a lot like Golden State, if one of their guys goes down, everybody else steps up because they're so good and so sound team-wise because they have such good team chemistry. Team chemistry cannot be understated under any circumstances. I completely agree. Like, you know, the reason why a lot of times – the 97-98 Bulls, for example, they didn't have Scotty till January, but they were able to figure it out. Why? Because they had team chemistry. They knew how to run things. They were so well coached. Mike Budenholzer with the triangle when – do you have one of the best coaches in the league? And I remember when they got Mike Budenholzer, I thought they just put themselves in the finals. Yep. I, I had the exact same feeling because all of a sudden you add a dude who – the Bucks' only issue was, was – Yeah, it wasn't cohesive. They had all these amazing pieces, and it made sense, but it wasn't – they didn't play as one. And so then when you added Budenholzer, a guy who is the best in the world, at, like Dan Tony. He is known for his speed and his threes and stuff, but Budenholzer, it's more balanced. They're uh, not one-dimensional, and they can share the hell out of the rock. And they turned into the best three-point shooting team in the league. They used Giannis as a force to create for other players, not just to dominate for himself. And Mike Budenholzer, you could tell me he's the best coach in the world right now, and I don't know how much I could debate you. He's on a very short list. By the I way, two-minute warning. I'd say it's him and Nick Nurse. Those are the two best coaches in the league right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think yeah, Nick Nurse definitely him, up there. Nick Nurse and Steve Kerr. I think those are the three best coaches at this point. I don't think you can really argue with that. Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle's up there, oh, but he's I think, up there. But I think we've are. I think we've already established Rick Carlisle. I yeah, think yeah. Carlisle's he's definitely right. in that top eight. Yeah, yeah he's really eight. good. But as far as, like, guys who are changing the game right now, Budenholzer, uh, Brad Stevens. Uh, Brad Stevens has always had kind of weird teams, though. Uh, I just – never had of, like, small ball, you know? I, I feel he like – thrives more with, with the team that he's got now, like a similar team like that. Like yeah. a team that doesn't have, like, a bona fide star, but just a bunch of really players. Don't let the Jason Tatum fans hear you say that. All right, well, that is all the time we have. I want to once again thank Adam Schalf and Hami Ray for coming on. Uh, this has been another episode of Hoopster Domus. Thanks, fellas. Artwork for the Hoopster Domus Basketball Podcast was provided by Evan Butris. Check out more of Evan's graphic design work at www.evanb.work or on Instagram at the Wax Cowboy. That handle once again, the Wax 